0: There were over half a million Syrian Arabs, a mixed community with Arab, Hebrew, Canaanite, Greek, Egyptian and possibly Crusaders' blood. They and their forefathers have occupied the country for the best part of 1,500 years. They own the soil. They profess the Mohammedan faith. They will not be content either to be expropriated for Jewish immigrants or to act merely as hewers of wood and drawers of water to the latter. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of this Ziontology series. You've just heard the voice of Lord George Curzon cautioning on what the long-term implications of the Balfour Declaration would be at the time of its signing. Curzon, who described the Declaration as quote, a striking contradiction of our publicly declared principles, end quote, was the only member of the British cabinet who foresaw the trouble that lay ahead. In wider circles, however, he was far from alone. In the next episode, I'm going to look at the beginning of the violence between Arabs and Jews in the 1920s that is still running on to this day. Before I do that, I thought it would be worthwhile acknowledging that it is not the case that hindsight is 20 here, and no one could have predicted this at the time. There were plenty of people who foresaw what was to come. Foresight was often made easy by the striking clarity with which the agenda was announced. In a memorandum prepared for the Paris Peace Conference, Arthur Balfour himself wrote, In Palestine, we do not propose even to go through the form of consulting the wishes of the present inhabitants of the country. The four great powers are committed to Zionism, and Zionism, be it right or wrong, good or bad, is rooted in age-long traditions, in present needs, in future hopes, are far profounder import than the desires and prejudices of the 700,000 Arabs who now inhabit that ancient land. End quote. The consequences of such an attitude are not hard to predict. As early as the 2nd of November 1918, just three days after the Ottoman surrender, Zionists in Palestine paraded to mark the first anniversary of the Balfour Declaration. The following day, The Muslim Christian Association, an organisation established to counter Zionist influence, handed a petition to the British military governor, reading, We have noticed yesterday a large crowd of Jews carrying banners and overrunning the streets, shouting words which hurt the feeling and wound the soul. They pretend with open voice that Palestine, which is the holy land of our fathers and the graveyard of our ancestors, which has been inhabited by the Arabs for long ages, who love it and die defending it, is now a national home for them. We Arabs, Muslim and Christian, have always sympathised profoundly with the persecuted Jews and their misfortunes in other countries, but there is wide difference between such sympathy and the acceptance of such a nation, ruling over us and disposing our affairs. The association also highlighted the serious implications of the marchers carrying white and blue banners with two inverted triangles in the middle. These new banners would be something they'd be seeing a lot of. If we travel back three decades in time, Jewish writer Asher Ginsburg visited Palestine in 1891. Ginsberg advocated for the establishment of a Jewish cultural centre in Palestine, not a nation-state. He cautioned that land was simply not available in the way European Jews had come to believe it was. Quote, we who live abroad are accustomed to believe that almost all of the land of Israel is now uninhabited desert, and whoever wishes can buy land there as he pleases. But this is not true. It is very difficult to find in the land cultivated fields that are not used for planting. Only those sand fields or stone mountains that would require investment of hard labour and great expense to make them good for planting remain uncultivated. End quote. Ginsburg goes on to caution that Zionists are underestimating the Arabs in a way that will lead to trouble. Begin quote. We who live abroad are accustomed to believing that the Arabs are all wild desert people who, like donkeys, neither see nor understand what is happening around them. But this is a grave mistake. The Arabs, especially the urban elite, see and understand what we are doing and what we wish to do on the land, but they keep quiet and pretend not to notice anything. For now, they do not consider our actions as presenting a future danger to them. But, if the time comes that our people's life in the land of Israel will develop to a point where we are taking their place, either slightly or significantly, the natives are not going to just step aside so easily. End quote. He advised Sinus settlers to, quote, not provoke the anger of the native people by doing them wrong, to handle these people with love and respect, and, needless to say, with justice and good judgment. End quote. Yet later he wrote, Yet what do our brethren do in Palestine? Just the very opposite. Serfs they were in the lands of Dysphoria, and suddenly they find themselves in unrestricted freedom, and this change has awakened in them an inclination to despotism. They treat Arabs with hostility and cruelty, deprive them of their rights, offend them without cause, and even boast of these deeds. And nobody among us opposes this despicable and dangerous inclination. End quote. Ginsburg was also outraged by the Zionist policy of refusing to employ Arab labour. Apart from the political danger, I cannot put up with the idea that our brethren are morally capable of behaving in such a way to humans of another people. And unwittingly this thought comes to my mind. If it is so now, what will be our relation to others if in truth we shall achieve at the end of times power in the land of Israel? End quote. Echoing Ginsburg is Dr. Judah Magnus, the founder and first president of the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Dr. Magnus warned that Zionists were, quote, "'sowing the seeds of an eternal hatred of such dimensions the Jews will not be able to live in this part of the world "'for centuries to come.'" He went on, "'We seem to have thought of everything, except the Arabs. "'We have issued this and that publication "'and done other commendable things, "'but as to a consistent, clearly worked out, realistic, "'generous policy of political, social, economic,' Educational cooperation with the Arabs, the time has never seemed to be propitious. But the time has come for the Jews to take into account the Arab factor as the most important facing us. If we have a just cause, so do they. If promises were made to us, so were they to the Arabs. If we love the land and have an historical connection with it, so do the Arabs. Even more realistic than the ugly realities of imperialism is the fact that the Arabs live here and in this part of the world, and will probably live here long after the collapse of one imperialism and the rise of another. If we wish to live in this living space, we must live with the Arabs. Back in the post-war period, the American King Crane Commission, led by college president Dr. Henry King and industrialist Charles Crane, spent six weeks in Palestine taking oral evidence. In spite of acknowledging an initial predisposition toward Zionism, King and Crane's experience led them to call for restrictions on unlimited Jewish immigration. They observed that no Jewish representative had ever attempted to conceal, quote, the ultimate goal of complete dispossession of the non-Jewish inhabitants of Palestine by various forms of land purchases, end quote. And they went on to say, quote, to subject the Arab people so minded to unlimited Jewish immigration and to steady financial and social pressure to surrender the land would be a gross violation of the Wilsonian principle of self determination and of the people's rights. End quote. They cautioned Woodrow Wilson that, quote, Not only you as president, but the American people as a whole should realize that if the American government decided to support the establishment of a Jewish state in Palestine, They are committing the American people to the use of force in that area, since only by force can a Jewish state in Palestine be established or maintained. A hundred years later, as the US government is fully backing the slaughter of over 20,000 people now, I think we can call this prophetic. In 1920, the Palin Commission, conducted by the British after the first outbreak of violence, wrote that, It is said that the effect of the Balfour Declaration was to leave the Muslims and Christians dumbfounded. It is impossible to minimise the bitterness of the awakening. They considered that they were to be handed over to an oppression which they hated far more than the Turks and were aghast at the thought of this domination. Prominent people openly talk of betrayal and that England has sold this country and received the price. Towards the British administration, the Zionists adopted an attitude of we want the Jewish state, and we won't wait. They did not hesitate to avail themselves of every means open to them in this country and abroad to force the hand of an administration bound to respect the status quo and committed to, and thereby future administrations, to a policy not contemplated in the Balfour Declaration. End quote. Finally, I shall read an abridged version of a memorandum to the British cabinet from the Secretary of State for India, Edwin Samuel Montague. A Jewish-Englishman, Montague's feelings regarding Zionism are summed up in his memo's title, The Antisemitism of the Present Government. Begin quote. I have chosen the above title for this memorandum not in any hostile sense, not by any means as quarrelling with an anti-Semitic view which may be held by my colleagues, not with a desire to deny that antisemitism can be held by rational men, not even of a view to suggesting that the government is deliberately anti-Semitic. But I wish to place on record my view that the policy of His Majesty's government is anti-Semitic in result, and will prove a rallying ground for anti-Semites in every country of the world. The war has indeed justified patriotism as the prime motive of political thought. It is in this atmosphere that the government proposes to endorse the formation of a new nation with a new home in Palestine, This nation will presumably be formed of Jewish Russians, Jewish Romanians, Jewish Bulgarians, and Jewish citizens of all nations. Zionism has always seemed to me to be a mischievous political creed, untenable by any patriotic citizen of the United Kingdom. If a Jewish Englishman sets his eyes on the Mount of Olives and longs for the days when he will shake British soil from his shoes and go back to agricultural pursuits in Palestine, he has always seemed to me to have acknowledged aims inconsistent with British citizenship and to have admitted that he is unfit for a share in the public life of Great Britain or to be treated as an Englishman. I have always understood that those who indulge in this creed were largely motivated by the restrictions upon them and refusal of liberty to Jews in Russia. but at the very time when these Jews have been acknowledged as Jewish Russians and given all liberties. It seems to me to be inconceivable that Zionism should be officially recognised by the British government, and that Mr Balfour should be authorised to say that Palestine was to be reconstituted as the national home of the Jewish people. I do not know what this involves, but I assume it means that Muslims and Christians are to make way for the Jews, and that Jews should be put in all positions of preference, and should be peculiarly associated with Palestine in the same way that England is with the English, or France with the French. The Turks and other Muslims in Palestine will be regarded as foreigners. I assert that there is not a Jewish nation. The members of my family, for instance, who have been in this country for generations, have no sort or kind of community of view or of desire with any Jewish family in any other country beyond the fact that they profess, to a greater or lesser degree, the same religion. It is no more true to say that a Jewish Englishman and a Jewish Moor are of the same nation than it is to say a Christian Englishman and a Christian Frenchman are of the same nation. I certainly do not dissent from the view, commonly held, as I have always understood by the Jews before Zionism was invented, that to bring the Jews back to form a nation-state in the country from which they were dispersed would require divine leadership. I have never heard it suggested, even by their most fervent admirers, that either Mr Balfour or Lord Rothschild would prove to be the messiah. I claim the lives that British Jews have led, that the aims that they have had before them, that the part they have played in our public life and our public institutions, have entitled them to be regarded not as British Jews, but as Jewish Britons. I would willingly disenfranchise every Zionist. I would almost be tempted to prescribe the Zionist organisation as illegal and against the national interest. I deny that Palestine is today associated with the Jews. It is quite true that Palestine plays a large part in Jewish history, but so it does in modern Muslim history. And, after the time of the Jews, surely it plays a larger part than any other country in Christian history. The temple may have been in Palestine, but so was the Sermon on the Mount and the crucifixion. I would not deny to Jews in Palestine equal rights to colonisation with those who profess other religions, but a religious test of citizenship seems to me to be only admitted by those who take a bigoted and narrow view of one particular epoch of the history of Palestine and claim for the Jews a position to which they are not entitled." End quote. Thank you for listening. I'll link to the various documents I've quoted in the infobox, but in this episode I've overwhelmingly drawn on volume one of journalist Alan Hart's work Zionism, The Real Enemy of the Jews. My details are in the box and any donations to support the show are greatly appreciated. Thank you very much to everyone who's donated since last time. I've also included a link to Christian Aid's Gaza Appeal, thank you.